Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lisa Berg Show. It's so wonderful to be back with you. I've had a couple of weeks off, and it feels like a very, very long time, but I have an absolutely packed house today to make up for that. So, as always, we're going to start with Sasha Kyo, but then we're going to talk about the hotel and tourism industry in Luxembourg, and we're going to finally end up with a tiny little bit of space, something that's very close to my heart. We're going to talk about the Summer Space Festival as demonstrated by the t-shirt in the corner. But starting with you, Sasha, lovely to see you again. It feels like it's been quite a while. It does, doesn't it? And uh, yes, May has lots of holidays, so uh, who knows? I know. I don't have anything booked yet, though. Do you? No, no, no. no. I'm here. My daughter's doing her back this year, so we're under strict instructions Ooh, not to leave. Stress. Oh, well, my slightly younger daughter was uh, doing a maths project last night. I didn't think we were going to be talking about this, but in fact, she didn't want me to talk to her at all. I was, I, she said, don't talk to me. Don't talk I'm to me. Go away. Yeah, so I did. I, I left her alone, uh, locked in her room upstairs, etc. Anyway. But I know what you've been doing, uh, not helping your daughter with her maths, but uh, attending <laughs> RTL launch parties and interviewing our Prime Minister. Yeah, that's true. Tell that's more. True. Oh, well, that was very nice. I, I particularly enjoyed the little greeting at the beginning, the proper Luxembourgish uh, three kisses on the cheek greeting. I felt very special. And um, and I was his last interview before he left the building, but it was really nice. And of course, we, we should talk about this, the RTL relaunch right across uh, Europe. It's a, an international relaunch, in fact. It is a big rebrand. We're now Today Radio, which is something that we need to get, all get used to, not yeah. uh, RTL Today anymore. Yeah. Um, but the, the website is, the English-speaking website is still RTL Today. Yeah. Um, but it comes with a new logo. And as you say, it's uh, Europe-wide, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, it was quite a big uh, sort of relaunch uh, with fireworks and uh, lots of VIP guests in, in the building. I think it gave a lot of people the opportunity to see the building properly for the first time. Yeah, we have a lovely building here and we have terrific studios. We're incredibly lucky on that front. Yeah, we are, aren't we? And uh, and then there was a party for staff last night. So I'm feeling a little bit jaded this morning, but <laughs> we'll get through. You're very good. I've had such a busy two weeks with various things going on. A lot of them space related, actually. And then, of course, the relaunch as well. That yesterday I took the day off just to kind of recuperate. And I spent most of yesterday, hence my spring-like dress. I mean, recording this on a very rainy day. But yesterday was beautiful in Luxembourg. It was the first time I took out a summer hat. I was wearing a T-shirt and I was repotting plants. So I... That <laughs> my, sounds a perfect day. It was a perfect day yesterday, yeah. <laughs> and back, back to another perfect day here in RTL. So jumping from the relaunch, um, another big story this week has been AI and music. And of course, AI is, it's in many, many different agendas right now. I mean, I, one of the events I had this week was um, autonomous weapon systems, which was quite a heavy topic. Oh, gosh, but, yes. but AI comes up in that as well. And of course, AI comes up in space. So AI is everywhere, including the music industry. Yes, so I mean, this is, I suppose, where where we have find it quite relevant on on the station. Um, so it sort of started off our whole conversation that is that this ABBA con well, it's it's not really a concert, but uh, ABBA Voyage uh, concert in London um, welcomed its first millionth visitor, and um, so a lot of uh, papers and commentators have been have been looking at it and saying, you know, is this the future of music? That obviously the uh, ABBA group uh, are not together anymore, but they did they did get together to make this amazing motion capture technology and there are 10 musicians on stage so it kind of blurs the boundaries between live music and uh, recorded music or going to see a tribute band um so that that was that's on the one side then on the other side we have uh music 
generated by by AI. And um, there there was one song that um, a, a company put together called. Oasis, uh, yeah. <laughs> pretending yeah. to put together Oasis, uh, <laughs> regrouping them, and uh, these lost songs, and yeah. they used an AI voice of Liam Gallagher to say these are the lost songs. That that song has been banned. Um, in, well, not banned, but it's been taken off streaming platforms because it went viral, as did another song which kind of combined two existing music- musicians, Drake and uh who was it again the uh, weekend weekend um and and put them together to make to kind of compile a new song and so again that's been taken off streaming platforms but it, what's really interesting i think is is this the future really that artists will have to take ai technology into consideration um what I mean, fascinates me about all of this apart from the technology yeah. is the regulation behind it and who exactly. owns what and who benefits and economically from what so where do the finances and the laws lie <laughs> yes so i feel at the moment everyone's doing whack-a-mole and saying no 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 you're not allowed that you're not allowed this um and they yeah. haven't quite worked out how to work with it or yes as you say what 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 is allowed yeah so and, it's, and it's international now this is global and of course whatever the laws are some people will follow them. And then you've got younger people, let's say, who may not even be aware of the laws or people in other countries because laws, will they be international? Will they be European? And speaking of European laws, another thing this week is that the European Commission are setting stricter rules for TikTok, for example. Yes, exactly. So they they are cracking down on on the social media platforms, so particularly uh, TikTok and uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and but this is more about hate speech and uh, you know false information, that kind of thing. So um, they there will be much stricter rules in the EU. But as you say, outside the EU, of course, they, <laughs> you know who knows what kind of restrictions will will be there if if any so um we are moving into yeah uncharted territories when it comes to regulation and uh, we're almost semi living not in the real world anymore i mean i think that a lot when i see my teenage daughters and they literally get up and they're watching something on their ipads yeah. and drives me crazy. Well, I think this, this sort of fear of disinformation is, mm. is the biggest. And of course, yeah. it's used politically as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as we know from, you know, the American elections or Brexit, you know, there was there's a lot of disinformation and it's so harmful because when you get to a stage when people don't care whether it's real or not, then, then it's kind of scary territory, isn't it? Yeah. And even when people know it's not yeah, real, they, they still don't care. Yeah. In, uh, in an argument. So, yeah, it's a big challenge for it is propaganda of the future. And for, yes, for everyone. Mm. Well, what can we turn to that? Well, oh, of the choices that I have on my screen here, I'm wondering which to go to next. Let's try to make a little bit. Well, the coronation. Let's move towards the coronation, which is, of course, not this weekend, but it's next weekend. Big festivities. You were in London. Absolutely. So I, I was in London. I saw lots of shops selling bunting and mugs and the usual sort of things um but I just got you know everyone I talked to I was like so are you excited you know first coronation in your lifetime first time in 70 years and everyone was a bit like well yeah excited about the holiday uh so (laughs) so in, in the UK you've got an extra holiday um and a poll came out that uh you know People don't feel the same way, obviously, as they did about the Queen. They, they, they're not 
it doesn't seem, I mean, 51% of these respondents in the YouGov poll, um, they, they didn't believe, for example, that the coronation should be paid for by the taxpayer. Mm. Um, you know, th- there are very different feelings. I mean, uh, you know, Camilla that is still a, quite a controversial figure for many people. No one believed she would actually be uh, crowned as queen. Consort. No. No, no longer queen consort. She will be a, she is being crowned as a queen. So, the, you know, there's been a lot of gradual changes. And I mean, I was there at their wedding. I I was working for RTL in London at the time. Um, so that's um, 18, yeah, just over 18 years ago. And, uh, you know, her her position has changed so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 the monarchy, you know, it's 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 interesting. How are they going to make themselves relevant to young people? Yeah. Well, they do that a lot through um, Prince William, I think, and Kate Middleton. Yeah. That seems to be a very strong bond with younger people. And maybe there'll be a change after the coronation. I mean, they, they you know, they're trying. They, they, my favourite one is the recipe for the quiche. Um, <laughs> the coronation quiche. So there's always a dish for every coronation. And for the Queen, it was coronation chicken, which yeah. we all, I, I still really like. Yeah. Um, I quite often make it. Um, but this is going to be a quiche and obviously it's vegetarian. So they're trying to be more, more sort of, uh, you know, it's got spinach, broad beans and tarragon so, yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't tasted it have you no 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 it doesn't sound all that exciting does it but uh, yeah there's the coronation quiche and in in Luxembourg as well I mean the British community can go to St George's school and uh, kind of watch it on a big screen and you know eat traditional British fare so maybe people will get into the swing you know get into the swing of it I think people always like time. a party yeah. I mean I'm thinking back to when they had the, the celebrations for for many years worth of the Queen's the jubilee celebrations I mean she's had a number of them um, so uh, people generally get into the festive spirit when there's a bit of bunting out and a little bit of pims flowing maybe they'll get into it I yes. think I th- so I think often yes those polls kind of suggest more negativity there's than often actually. a lot of grumbling in there yes. when it comes to the party people are always there in force <laughs> okay, I hope you're right I hope so too well we'll, we'll have a little uh, toast here anyway Moving on to a completely different story. Uh, extraordinary, this Bari case, as it's so called. Tell us about, for those who don't know about this Bari case, what's it all about? But this is a criminal case here in, in Luxembourg. But um, every day I read the updates and it sounds like uh, Capitani. The, uh, <laughs> the, it rather sounds like this crime series that was shot in Luxembourg and became quite well known internationally yeah. didn't it and um you know it's it's a it's a case uh, going back to 2020 and it's money laundering drug trafficking you know it's it's got all the elements in it and um <laughs> and what's really interesting is that there was it was a, a a gang of drug smugglers and they were infiltrated by the police so this is where i sort of think it sounds very like capitani is that a police person uh, was in the gang and was buying drugs from them and is now obviously giving evidence in court so every day um it's super interesting must be keeping you fascinated on your toes here every day what's the latest update well, you know, we all like a bit of crime. <laughs> I mean, sorry, not crime, not but reporting on crime. I should, I should make it certain clear. types of crime. Let's add. Yes, it's 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 quite interesting. Yes, yeah, uh, I think these things you 
you know, if you don't read Luxembourgish papers, you mm. don't, you're not necessarily aware of, of, of these sort of criminal gangs a lot of us operating think here. It doesn't happen in Luxembourg. We should also say why it's called the Bari case. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> because it's a town in, in Italy, in Puglia, and this is where the main uh, person who's involved in, in, the, in the drug smuggling and was selling drugs uh, originally came from. Yeah, and we're going to end for the moment on a story which is quite sad, but I must add is also understandable, which is the growing number of Luxembourgers who are leaving the country. It's very interesting, isn't mm. it? So this is according to Statec, the uh, National um, Institute for Statistics and Economics. And yes, there are more Luxembourgers leaving the country than come arriving. And it's it's a lot more. So it's over 3,000 people left the country last year. And only just over 1,500 nationals actually returned. Um, and RTL tried to contact Statec actually just to find out if they had in in this survey also found out the causes you know is it housing mm. is it jobs is it education is it young people who go to university abroad and then don't you know don't necessarily return um but they don't know the reasons for it um interestingly also portuguese nationals there are more people leaving than arriving and this at a time when the population is obviously growing um and there the the suggestion is that um a lot of people when they retire obviously have bought a house in in portugal whether mm. maybe the quality of life is the food is wonderful yes, exactly. the sunshine the is nicer. got water i can but, think of a few reasons <laughs> yes but we have no no answers why mm. why more luxembourgish citizens are are leaving than arriving here well if anybody would like to get in touch and tell us why yes. but i think you you have mentioned something that might be a factor which is the cost of living here and particularly the cost of housing for those who don't have a home here through family and reasons like this but perhaps some of our uh, Luxembourgish <laughs> visitors today could could think of a reason. Yes, uh, so we yes, have hello. Michel Lanners. Uh, well, we're just talking about the number of increasing number of Luxembourgers uh, living in uh, Luxembourg. Well, uh, maybe hotel school is also in some way responsible as uh, young people. We encourage them to make some experiences abroad and uh, then hopefully uh, come back to Luxembourg with a uh, much more richer cultural background. Yeah, well, I think that is interesting. But as um, Sasha pointed out, it's almost double the numbers leaving than are returning. So we'll have to kind of uh, square that quotient somehow. Well, then I... I just want to call them back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've given us a wonderful segue to our next section. So just to introduce uh, my next three guests, you've just heard from Michel Lanners, who is the director of EHTL, which is the École d'Hôtelière et de Tourisme du Luxembourg in Dikirch. I hope I pronounced nice that. French. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> and Carlo Cravat, who, um, if you know the Cravat name, you'll know the generations of Cravat family who have owned and run that hotel, which uh, sits just opposite the Gellefrau. And David Edwards, who is one of the teachers at the school AHTL. So welcome to you all. We're going to dig into what it is like to run, first of all, I'll turn to you, Michelle, this, uh, this school and tell us a little bit about the school. Why do we have this hotel and tourism school in Luxembourg? Well, the initiative, next year we, uh, we are going to celebrate our 75th anniversary. The initiative is a private one. Uh, as uh, former hotel and uh, restaurant owners, they needed uh, to train their kids to, to get used to the job. And uh, so few by few, step by step, 
the state, uh, the government uh, took over uh, the responsibility of uh, teaching and training the young people. And uh, nowadays we are more and more speaking about hospitality. We are an hotel school, indeed. We are also focusing on tourism and communication. But uh, our DNA is hospitality. And that, uh, that, that should be uh, clearly an, a message to listeners, young listeners, who maybe are interested in entering this school. And um, five years ago, six years ago, when I took over the school, there was no English uh, training course in, in our school. Now we have already two, and I'm sure if the uh, situation is going to evaluate, We are going to have uh, more and more uh, English-speaking courses because this is one of the common languages we notice that uh, is more and more popular and speaking in Luxembourg too. And very important through the hotel industry, through the tourism industry, of course, to have that multilingualism. When it comes to the students that you have, you, you take on quite an age range of students. Uh, yes, um, I think that uh, we are really targeting on uh, students who already are a little bit more mature. So let's just tell our listeners, at what age can they enter your school? Um, after the third uh, grade in the traditional uh, system, that uh, we call that cinquième, fifth class, uh, that means uh, around roughly 15 or 16 years. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and you take them onwards. And it is really important. I think most of us learned about the hotel restaurant industry much more through COVID times because it took such a hit and it was really in the news a lot during that time. And I think we realized how important, how vital it is to our everyday happiness. You know, it's nice now and again to go to a restaurant. We realize that it's it's a really part of our lifestyles and something that we look forward to doing. And of course, what you teach is so much more than that. And you are training managers. I know that's something you talk about, David, in your training. You're one of the BTS teachers there. Right. So tell us about the course that you teach in English. Uh, currently, I'm teaching uh, two marketing courses and three food and beverage. And it's actually how to operate, build, operate and plan a restaurant. But <clears throat> the training managers comes up first day, first class, first hour. First thing I tell the students in the BTS program is you are not students, you are managers. So I usually walk in and say, good afternoon or good morning, managers. How are you today? And they look at me kind of strange. And I say, you are not students. Don't think like students. Don't react like students. Don't even read material like students. Don't even look around the world like students anymore. And they often say, well, we're here to be trained as managers. And that's where I say, if you start thinking like management, manager, hotel operator, restaurant operator, you will begin to work like that. Because there's so many skills that you need at your fingertips to run a restaurant. And I know you have a, a deep history in in restaurants across the world, in fact, David. And I'm now looking at you, Carlo, because it's similar skills that you need to be multifaceted multifaceted to run a hotel like yours, a family business, but but really important in the fabric of, of Luxembourg City, in fact, and, and a responsibility for your family as well. So tell us a little bit for those listening who don't know your hotel. Tell us about Hotel Cravat. Yes, the Hotel Cravat is, uh, well, um, run since 1895. So I'm the fourth generation. Um of hoteliers and I think to run a business hotel any kind is it a hotel or a restaurant you must believe in what you're doing and you must be ready to um, to make some sacrifice to please your guests because you never 
celebrate when others celebrate, you sleep when others go, other go to work and vice versa. So you are living mm, in a parallel world. <laughs> and that is something what we also have to try to explain to the kids, to the students, to, to the pupils, because I take care of the more pupils. I have um, a chance of, of uh, meeting the young pupils the first year at the hotel school. Uh, to explain them what is hospitality, what is hotel business, what is it um, running a, a restaurant. And that is very important that people know what is our world, uh, what are the advantages. And of course, every medal has also a, a backside, so there are also disadvantages. But at the end of the day, there must be more positive points than negative points. And I think our family for the last 120 years, uh, found that there were more positive points than negative points. If you allow me, uh, I would like to come back to the point of uh, the Luxembourgers leaving Luxembourg. Um, I have a son who is also um, finishing hotel school, uh, another hotel school in Switzerland, uh, where my father was trained and myself too. A very famous one. Mm -hmm, very famous one. I don't want to make any advertisement now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just stay on the Luxembourg. <laughs> we, we, we stay on the Luxembourg <laughs> ground, of course. Um, and, and he says, Papa, you know, in the last 10 years, Luxembourg has changed a lot. Uh, Ten years ago, I would have said, I don't want to go to work anywhere else than in Luxembourg. But the, the climate um, has changed. People are not anymore so happy working here in Luxembourg. They are not anymore so happy living in Luxembourg. Uh, because people always think that the grass is greener on the other side of the river. And when you are on the other side of the river and you look at that grass... It's the same color. It's the grass is always only as green as you make it and you work in your garden or on your on your uh, lawn. So it's it's maybe people make it too easy and say, oh, this doesn't. I don't like it. I just leave. And I think COVID has mm, even um, emphasized this position. It's like when you live in a couple, you have days it's nice, others are. Mm, different <laughs> and and people mm, are too quickly leaving a situation or not trying to find a solution to stay where they are to be happy just try to be happy and that is a very big problem and that is what in to come back to your initial question sorry um, is that you must at the end you must be happy of what you have been doing you have achieved and that you see your vision is be, can be realized and then and then of course then it will work. And that's how we did it for the last 120 years. Well, that's quite a philosophical <laughs> line well, of well, Thank thought. you, Carlo. Bravo. There's nothing uh, more to, <laughs> eat, to, 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 to add. That was a wonderful uh, philosophical road there. But obviously something has to be there because, in fact, before we went on air, you said you were married for 44 years. And obviously... Uh, married, sorry, uh, 30 years um, in April. I know my wife uh, for 44 years. Oh. So we got to know each other at the age of 14. Oh, I will not do the maths of ages there. <laughs> Well, that's a lovely story, but you're really talking about resilience. And of course, when it comes to hotels or restaurants, as you already said, you're living on a timescale that is different. So it does take a certain mentality to cope with that. How do you instruct your students, managers, to deal with what is expected of them as managers to be on call all hours of the day and night? 
Well, to go back to start with, to go back to what Carlo was saying, that the work may be difficult. It's a tremendous amount of sacrifice. The ambience of work. Uh, many people complain that the work ambience in Luxembourg is very difficult. They say, as a manager, you then have the opportunity to create the ambience. And when you see that people that you're working with are not working well together, that are not working as a team, you create that. And when you are somewhere, you're watching a restaurant or a hotel that is functioning, and it's not functioning well, watch the managers. And this is how we teach the students perceived as students. Mm -hmm. This is how we train our managers to look at a business and say, oh, I can create a different. The best story is always, everybody knows, the front, uh, the dining room people and the kitchen people in restaurants, they always like to have this war. And I say, is that true, though? uh, Often, except when a manager takes control and says, this is not how we function. The front in the back of the house, their objective is to work together to take care of the clients. So you can actually make it kind of a, uh, the front of the house, we call it the back of the house against the client. So you actually are teaming up to take care of them. So that is the way we approach this. Against the client or for, <laughs> for the client? <laughs> they like to see quite often that they're this uh, team that's going into battle against these big rushes that come every day. Oh, the rushes. Yeah, I yeah. can only imagine. I do sometimes think about that. How, how do you cope in a restaurant when you have this lunch rush or dinner rush? Because, you know, you have these two peaks of a day. So tell us a few of your tricks. Uh Without being prepared, prep, and a plan, that's it. To work efficiently. This is the other thing that we we train the managers to watch a place that's functioning. And you begin to see people are not trained. People are not trained. You watch them and they don't work in an efficient manner. And this is what we try to do is to explain to students and let students have the opportunity in various projects um, to be able to uh, to be able to create this teamwork mm-hmm. that you're working together to create the satisfaction for the clients. I want to put out there a little bit of a, a, a tricky question, perhaps, when it comes to people who choose to go into the hotel school world or tourism or restaurants. It isn't always advertised to our students. Our children at school and sometimes it's not thought about as the most elite choice. I mean, it's different in your family because your family have lived (laughs) through the, well, I was about to say the top, one of the top hotel (laughs) schools in the world. But um, how do you bring in intelligent young people to the world of tourism and the restaurant hotel business? For myself, I try to explain to people that it's an opportunity to work internationally, which I guess doesn't help people moving out of Luxembourg. (laughs) Experience. We call it experience. They bring it back. They go out and get experience and bring it back because I had the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And I can just say it works extremely well. Well, I think most of our listeners can tell you're not originally from Luxembourg, but uh, a Luxembourger brought you back here. Oh, yes. When you meet a Luxembourgish uh, person, you can't help but get enthralled with the country. <laughs> Michel. Yes, uh, I think that uh, this is uh, a very important question you just uh, raised up. Um, 
I think that um, as a school, we need the, ambitious, the ambition to offer perspectives to young people. And um, the hotel school is particularly good uh, conceived to offer precise uh, perspectives, ambitious uh, perspectives. Um, you, you have three people working in this hotel school. There are two professionals who are more professional than teacher. We have a very close link with the professional world. On the other side, our school has an international orientation, a strong international orientation. And when you see how you, how can you convince, uh, when you say how can you convince young people to enter the school, also how young people who are with with uh, with with uh, qualities, with uh, schooling qualities. Well, if you look, our students who come out of the school and uh, the career, professional careers they do, we can be really proud. Uh, we have uh, also actually in different uh, universities, we have uh, pe young people uh, making their master, their, sec their second year of master, and the feedback we receive from these schools, from these universities are, please bring us more of your students because they are really well prepared. And this is the best uh, feedback I can give to the teachers at school And I'm very proud of that. Well, part of what you might teach, I'm thinking back to the old days where some ladies were sent off to finishing schools. And I'm imagining, I'm thinking particularly of uh, the, the meet and greet part of the job. You might teach uh, people manners of how to be nice, <laughs> how yeah. to uh, interact with people. So, Carlo, tell us about some of these skills that requ are required on a bad day. How do you keep smiling through it all? You must be professional. Um, you must, uh, once you come into your hotel or into your restaurant, you have your locker. And in that locker, you put everything what does not has any space when you work. So all your trouble, all your problems, everything that could be of any black animal in your, in your head or, or in your mind, you must leave it in that locker. That's why everybody has a locker in the, in the hotel business. Um, But I just want to come back uh, very briefly about what uh, Michelle and David said about the, the kids. You don't have to lie to the kids. The kids nowadays are much more aware of what is going on and they get much more channels to get information about everything. So they want to be not to be treated like little kids, even if they are young. They want it to be treated like uh, young adults, but then they must also behave like young adults and that's where sometimes it's a little bit complicated and that's where I come in the game and I try to mm, teach them as well as possible um, how to behave, how to be um, well seen by the guests but also how to be able to be well with its own person when you look in the mirror and you look at you in the morning and say hey today we're gonna have a great day oh i feel it and so that's <laughs> a bit what i try with um, thanks to michelle uh, to do it with the youngsters with the first years uh, really to uh, explain them on what how to behave what to do what to try not to do uh, in order to to have um, self-achievements and also uh, that the guest at the end of the day is happy and he comes back because the guest who comes back is the one where we start to get to to earn money or to gain money well another part of the schooling is that people get a number of weeks 
within a placement, they get real experience. And I think it's about 10 weeks they get. Yeah. So they get real yes. enterprise experience. We have uh, the students uh, in the vocation, especially in vocational tracks, but also on our BTS section, uh, they have an uh, internship of uh, six, uh, one semester. To 20 plus weeks. Mm -hmm. 20 plus mm -hmm. weeks. Yes, that's, uh, that's important. And uh, you always notice you send students or people somewhere and adults come back. They have really uh, learned a lot of things which you cannot write in a theoretical course or study a, on a theoretical basis. And it's exactly what Carlos said before. You have to teach them being. Being, being, uh, and being happy also. That also belongs to huh? having project. I said before, perspectives, okay. But you have to be, you have to be happy with your, your life. And that also we try to teach. It's not always easy. Yeah. I have to tell you, because we all are humans. We have up and downs, everybody. And, uh, but uh, in general, if we want to transmit something, it's, uh, it has to be a positive message. Yeah, I think that's just a very good lesson for life for all careers, in fact. And I'm, I know that actually a number of your students come from the south of Luxembourg. You told me uh, when we were preparing for this. So they travel a long way even before they get to you. Yeah, that's quite, uh, for the moment, that's uh, really a constraint. That's also the, uh, the reason why we have boarding facilities uh, in, uh, in our school. But uh, the government decided to give us in Zanem uh, to refurbish in, uh, the castle of uh, Zanem. And uh, we, in future, I hope in near future, but uh, I think that with the Luxembourgish speed of doing these things, it will be in future. Uh, we will receive a uh, second campus in the south of the country, and that will be really a solution for this kind uh, for these uh, young people living in the south of the country. Well, that's wonderful, but I, I, I say it just to also emphasize the fact that a lot of people are traveling to go to your school. So yeah. talk us through, how many students do you have? Actually, we have 300 students, but uh, yesterday we had open doors and there were so many people. Maybe next year we'll be 340, 350 people, maybe. That's yes. wonderful. Yeah, crossing fingers. And there were plenty of English-speaking uh, uh, young, young people interesting in, uh, in entering the courses. So uh, thanks to our good relation, for example, to St. George's. We have very good uh, contacts with St. George's, uh, what also Michel Lutius, all the English-speaking uh, training tracks uh, existing in other uh, schools. They now start becoming aware that there is an, a possibility of schooling in, in, in the Kirche. Well, I think a lot. I would of say in the north of the country. No, I call it the middle, really. Myself. <laughs> in the centre of the county. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, when it comes to students, and I know, um, turning to you, Sasha, you have um, children, three children, two of whom are, are moving uh, towards thinking about what their futures will be, and this doesn't always come up as a point of conversation in schools. So if you can get into the schools and talk to the students and give them a flavour of what you do, it really is because I know, for instance, one of your daughters studies nutrition. Yes, it's it's a great opportunity, I have to say. I think people aren't aware, um, you know, foreigners living in Luxembourg of what opportunities there are. For example, I didn't know there the were courses in English at your school. So it's super interesting. I have one question is um, because old people are always critical of young people's maybe... Um, <laughs> You know, their, their, their grafting skills, you know, knuckling down and really working sort of antisocial hours. Do you find that people are willing to do it? Um, you know, or, or, yeah, do people not work as hard or as in such difficult circumstances as they used to? 
people that are hospitality management oriented, and we don't really use the just the hotel school or restaurant or cooking. We prefer to use the term hospitality management because that's hotels, restaurants, events managements, uh, hospitals, old age homes, retirement homes, any sector where people are doing service with other people. And the school, EHTL, is has, especially the BTS program, has a very strong financial component. It has very strong business orientation. So what I especially like about this program is people can go into as a hospitality management oriented person, and then they see that the hours are pretty long, can be very tough on the family because of their training. They can move into other sectors pretty easily because if you can run a hotel, restaurant, event management, you can run other businesses. It's an extremely complex model uh, to run a, a hospitality management business. But what I really like to do with the BTS students is, yes, you will pay your dues. You will go and you will work nights, holidays, and weekends. And they all go, Ugh. I said, but the real objective, what you're going to do is then go get your bachelor's and your master's, and then you become promoted to the level where you more or less become the person who deci you decide which nights, holidays, and weekends you want to work, because they'll still want to work those nights, holidays, and weekends, because they are truly the most fun. And that's why these students are there. That's why they travel that far to the school. They want the human interaction between the managers themselves, between each other. And we did some classes online during COVID, and it was pretty interesting, you know, people sitting on their sofas, and, and we had these tremendously engaging conversations. But when they got back in the room, uh, it was a totally different. It was just delightful. So that's what they're really about. I'm looking at you, Carla, because I imagine uh, through uh, the long history of your family running the hotel, how many nights off do you get? <laughs> oh, it's uh, like David said, it, you organize your life. You have the opportunity to do it more or less as you wish. Um, and that is also what, what is important to say that our, let's call it, hotel school is not only a training cooks and waiters and receptionists. I mean, we are preparing young people mm, to take their future in their hands and choose in a large range of possibilities to do the job they want to do. Um, we try to s stop them just narrow thinking. We really like the little horse that has used to have uh, these eye sheds uh, to just see uh, where it has to go without looking left or right. We try to change that idea, that mind that they receive, maybe also, as we said about the old, the elderly people, sorry, um, that have a very strict idea of what is hotel business nowadays. We speak about hospitality and others that always are um, hitting on our heads to say it's it's a bad industry, we, you, you work a lot, you are less paid and so on and so on. And that is not true. Uh, you You can do everything. You have your future in your hand. You can make out of it what you want. But you don't have to be a coward. Mm -hmm. If you are a coward, you're dead. They sound like wonderful skills. I'm thinking of all the skills that you teach when it comes to the cooking and the service and, and the managerial skills as well. It's a great combination of skills just to have in life in general, I'm thinking. So when it comes to applying 
at what age would you most like people to apply? I know that you do from the uh, the quatrième upwards, yeah. from the school point of view, but you also do the BTS courses. So give mm-hmm. us a flavor of how people can apply. Well, have a, first have a look at, uh, you just missed yesterday our open doors. Sorry for that, but uh, we made a lot of advertising. Um, have a look at our internet site, and then, uh, which is really dynamic and which shows uh, the different uh, ac- actions, projects, but also training opportunities. Um, uh, there, you, there, you can have a first insight. But we have, we are not limiting uh, on uh, on recruiting young young people. The oldest one has forty five years. Oh, super. The oldest student in, I think it's in the class of BTS, is uh, 45. So you have uh, people who change uh, Yes, we have a lot well. of, uh, we have a lot of uh, en- uh, people entering, uh, young, not young, young adults entering the courses. And uh, that's quite normal. That's really quite normal. And we are taking advantage of these kind of people because they have more experience than young people coming from just from the from the Sankyem and and so we are taking them we are using their life experience also in the courses in order to 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 take benefit of their of their life uh, and they will have made a very clear decision as to why they're turning and choosing mm-hmm. a different life course at that mm-hmm. age well i did have a look at your website last night and the first thing that i thought about was the food looks so good <gasps> you have these wonderful plates of perfectly prepared food and i thought you we must all drink anything you must all eat <laughs> very yeah. well but you forbid us to drink something here in this studio yeah, so that's the reason why you because of a bad experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we can't do that but you also mentioned something David that um, piqued my interest and I remember you, you you saying this to me before which is that when it comes to this huge business there are also people who move into old people's homes or schools for instance there's so many different areas that people can move into that we don't think about that these skills can just flow across so many different areas the airline industry okay. the airline industry I have a couple of students that were very oriented towards uh, researching various posts, various types, the logistics alone. So somebody who was more uh, oriented towards logistics. There was a student who wanted to work on cruise ships. And the one thing that I always emphasize when people are talking about my career, what, what am I going to do specifically, is the opportunities in the hospitality management business. When there is a global or regional economic situation that is negative, That's as nice as I can put it. When there's a downturn economically, the first hit, the hotels take the first industry that takes the hit the fastest is the hotels, the restaurants, the hospitality management. But always the very first to recover the fastest, the hotels, the restaurants, hospitality management. So like all industries, you're going to take a hit during different financial situations, uh, economic situations. But there's always this tremendous recovery because it is not, in many ways, it is a luxury. But as you mentioned earlier, people want this. People have to have it. And right after things opened up after COVID, the numbers went way up. The opportunities are just exponential and it just keeps growing. And I think we all appreciate those nights out even more after COVID. I was, I was just thinking, uh, one of my best nights during the pandemic was, do you remember we got the hotel vouchers? Um, I think it was, I can't remember, yes. it was 50 euros per person. I never managed person. to use mine. Oh, it was such a treat because we'd all been stuck at home with each other. And it was the nicest thing not to have to cook, not to have to yes, stay in a bed 
bed made by someone else. Oh, it was heaven. Yeah, that was such a lovely thing, I think. Well, that was my first opportunity to stay at the Hotel Cravat. Oh, well, next time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it really was. Well, we're, we're doing great advertisement for you, but <laughs> that aside, what's lovely is that uh, you continue and now your son as well. And I know you gave him the choice. You didn't say, you must do this. You did give all of your children the choice. And that's important. Yeah. That's In- important because you don't have, nowadays, you cannot force the kids to do a job as generations before. Um, I mean, I always say to my kids, listen, you have to work for 40 years. And we <laughs> see uh, where politically it goes everywhere. We talk now about it in France. And, and, and even here in Luxembourg, there are discussions. And I don't want to go into these now because I don't want to be politically uh, involved in any <laughs> site. I mean, that's not my, it's not my life. It's not my job. Uh, but if you are happy with what you are doing, You work 40, 50 hours. There's no discussion about it. But the the negative inputs of certain persons now for Luxembourg or even in France. Now, coming here, uh, I listened to uh, to French news and uh, I heard that in the hospital, in a hospital now, um, doctors and so on are, are less well paid and uh, have to, to do... 50, 60, 70 hours a week. So sometimes I say, okay, listen, folks, where are, who are we that we can tell people not to work? Because that's where we are heading. They force us not to work more than 40 hours. And people want to work more because they want to earn more money. So let me work, let me earn money. And that's something also maybe a point why some Luxembourgers are leaving this country and go Abroad, we spoke before about out of the border of European um, borders where you are allowed to work more and gain more money. So maybe we have to rethink certain points. <laughs> well, very well put there. Thank you so much, all of you. And I do encourage you all to look, even if it's just for food porn, <laughs> at the wonderful website and uh, and go visit at the next uh, Open Days event. And uh, with that, thank you all for being here in Kirchberg at RTL. Thank you. Thank you, thank thank you very much. Welcome back to Today Radio and the Lisa Berg Show. We've got a, a change of topic now. And with me, I have Antoine Bocquier and Charlotte Nassé. It's lovely to have you both. We're going to talk about the Summer Space Festival, which is happening very, very soon in Luxembourg. Antoine, you are the founder and co-event manager. And Charlotte, you're co-event manager as well of the Summer Space Festival, which goes right across Europe. But this year, it's happening in Luxembourg. Yes, thank you first for having us. And indeed, the space, Summer Space Festival is coming this year for its third edition to Luxembourg after Lille in France in 2021. During COVID lockdown, we talked about also the impact. Um, we went to Brussels last year, and this year we are coming to Luxembourg, also celebrating the fifth anniversary of the Luxembourg Space Agency. Yes. And we're not coming alone. We have uh, 13 astronauts coming along. Where did you find these 13 astronauts? Uh, this is thanks to the Luxembourg Space Agency, actually. Luxembourg is a great area to uh, organize this festival because space is really part of the ecosystem here. So um, thanks to our collaboration with the agency, uh, we had the interest of 
the astronauts to come and participate in the festival, meet students, meet children. Um, and that's the idea. It's really to encourage young minds to come to this festival, but exactly. not just young minds, because as we all know, and I go to quite a few space events, it's a really burgeoning industry. And aside from organising the Summer Space Festival, Antoine, you actually uh, also have a background in space and engineering. And uh, what do you work on yourself? So when I'm not uh, doing this event yeah. management, uh, I'm working as a system engineer, or um, basically a space engineer, working on lunar rovers in Luxembourg. So building uh, rovers that will go to the moon uh, in a few years. Yeah, and Charlotte, you too, you have a background in space law and space studies from France, and uh, you are in charge of government affairs at iSpace Europe. Yes, exactly, right here in Luxembourg. And uh, yeah, one of the things that I like to put forward in our events is that there are many STEM jobs in the space sector, but it's also a sector that needs other types of backgrounds. So law, architecture, um, humanities, there's many different jobs that we try to put forward during these events uh, to try to inspire the younger generation to look at the sector as a whole and not think that you only need to be an astrophysicist or uh, a mathematician to join this type of, of sector. Well, it really echoes the, the hotel and tourism uh, conversation we've literally just had when it comes to any of these industries many of us without digging in might think oh well I can't do that because I'm not that kind of person but there's so many jobs it's really lateral the type of jobs so give us a flavor of what you have on offer at the festival then so the festival is about two days on Friday 5th of May so in one week and Saturday 6th of May the first day is really for students and professionals to meet together discover the space sector what is space about what can you do as an engineer what can you do as a lawyer what can you do as a communication person? So it's really about uh, networking, discovering the sector. And the second day is a public free day without any registration. So what we want to bring is space and inspiration to the people. We want also to talk about science, about technology, inspire people to for this topic. You don't have to be a scientist to enjoy science. And we want to bring uh, a lot of activities. So basically for the free Saturday uh, day, we have conferences which are accessible, understandable by everyone, children, families, non-space enthusiasts. But and also a lot of fun. It's all exactly. about fun as well. <laughs> so yeah, in parallel to all these conferences, we're going to have uh, a lot of activities running throughout the day. We should say where it is. Yes, it's uh, in a beautiful area of Luxembourg. We're super proud to partner with uh, Abbey de Neminster in De Grund. So that's where you can come and join us on the 6th of May. And so amongst the fun activities that you'll have on Saturday, uh, well, some of our astronauts were still going to be around. Um, you're also going to be able to uh, do VR escape games, uh, learn how to build uh, Lego, uh, look at many different exhibitions from the French Space Agency, from Le Coupole, a museum in the north of France. Um, we also have a little surprise for fans of Star Wars. I don't know if anyone's listening, but we will have uh, Jedis coming to our <laughs> event um, to give us a little show. <laughs> Where um, did you find the Jedis? Ah, well, I mean Antoine has a huge passion. Of course, as a fan of the Jedi, I couldn't uh, <laughs> resist. But we have the Jedi Academy from Metz. So there's a, actually a Jedi Academy. Oh, my God. And because uh, <laughs> Jedi Academy. lightsaber fighting has become a discipline, an official discipline of uh, fencing in France, the fourth discipline, I think. So this really encourages young people you know, to get to the sport, share the passion. Are you in serious? A, yeah, I'm serious. That's the thing. So if you want to... fantastic. Sorry learn to more about this, come on Saturday, they will be there and they will be having a but we also have another live choreography. We have music, food trucks, 
and a dance choreography as well from a French uh, dancer. Uh, called Jeanne Morel, uh, who has a very special relation to the space sector. So uh, Jeanne dances in extreme environments. And so one of the environments she's danced in is um, uh, zero-G uh, flights, so parabolic flights, where she can experience a few minutes of um, weightlessness. weightlessness, exactly. And so building on these experiences, she will offer um, one of her performances uh, to our audience on Saturday. And uh, we'll be explaining a little bit about the work behind that and, you know, uh, her background as well. And hopefully inspiring um, other people to look at the space sector also as an artistic opportunity. Well, what's lovely about this is that you're really touching on so many different elements. And I know that you both come from the iSpace world. You're really bringing many, many disciplines and making people think about space creatively because for any career, I actually think you need to have a very creative mind and to enjoy it, which of course, and Carlo is talking about as well, and, and Misha, to enjoy the work you do for 40 plus years, to make it part of your life, you really, really have to to enjoy it in your heart. Both of you do work in space. And maybe we should just point out to our listeners as well that iSpace has a, a European home here in Luxembourg, but also uh, a Japanese headquarters. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're 33 people here in Luxembourg and uh, iSpace is also a sponsor of the Summer Space Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you will have the opportunity also in our lunar yard to come see the rovers of iSpace, but also of SNT of the University mm. of Luxembourg. And dragging them. And driving them as well. So we have a couple of rovers that children would be able to drive. And uh, just to uh, yeah, also share that experience, it's been a very exciting moment. And we've been very, very close, you know, to, to make it happen. So it's been a, a lot of worldwide because one million people actually watched the live. So uh, it's been a very special moment. And this is recalling us also why we're doing this. It's hard. And this is why we're doing it. Exploring, pushing the borders, uh, the boundaries. And we're excited because it's happening next year again. So... Yeah. With a Luxembourg-built rover. So with a Luxembourg-built rover. Yes. So iSpace will go back up to the moon, hopefully, with a rover that you're probably working on. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> so so quite tell, excited. tell us why you chose to work in space. Um, that dates back to when I was a kid. Uh, like many people, you know, you're a kid, you're fascinated by space, science fiction, Star Wars, Jedi's, yeah. of course. <laughs> we had to bring the, uh, <laughs> the Jedi's, <laughs> Jedi's <laughs> back into it. And, and this is why we want to have Jedi's, you know, making it like, you know, science fiction, it's happening, it's, it's possible, you know, dream and also uh, being curious about science. And you want to become an astronaut and you meet astronauts, you meet a couple of key people or you go to some events where you real, realize this is what I want to do. And uh, it's all about exploration, all about discovering new things, understanding in which universe we live, uh, is there life out there? What can we do with the human species, you know, to to go somewhere? So yeah, basically exploration, I would say. And for me, it's been space engineering was a in between building things that you can see, you can touch, you can control. You go somewhere else, and you go, th- you see through the eyes, uh, through the cameras. And yeah, basically, it's been a um, yeah me. a nice okay. ride. And Charlotte, why why do you uh, work in space? What brought you into this industry? A very very different experience. So I had never. L- heard about the space sector until I was maybe about 23. Uh, I was doing a master's in public international law, focusing on environmental law. And I, by chance, had in my university a professor that was uh, one of the biggest in in Europe in space law. Uh, So I had a a class in space law and it just opened an entire world to me of working in an international environment on, you know, the the future of of creating laws and uh, adapting these laws to innovation was very interesting to me. And also the political and collaborative aspect uh, was really uh, fascinating. So 
a bit of a, a different uh, entrance to the space world, um, but just as passionate as if I had discovered it as a child, to be honest. And it brings us full circle to the AI discussion we had with Sasha at the top of the show, which is that space law is so important and the regulation around space law and AI law is so very, very crucial. Now, David, I'm bringing you back in because you mentioned that one of the, the restaurant entry, uh, industries that we don't always think about is airline food. Tell us about what food might be like uh, for us astronauts up there when they're living on the, you know, the ISS. <laughs> yeah, f- f- fact is stranger than fiction. I truly said as a joke to one of my students, to the group of students, I said, and don't forget, we were talking about different concepts, different places where food service takes place. And I said, and don't forget the International Space Station. They serve food up there. People are eating. And one of the students literally wrote an entire research paper about <laughs> food service for astronauts, space stations, and the uh, logistics, the possibilities of research they're doing for uh, colonies on the moon, Mars, etc. Well, that's so we're taking FUB to space. <laughs> I think it's so important because it comes uh, full circle back to many of the the conferences, and of course, it costs so much money uh, to get anything into space, and that's why they're thinking about making this moon village and getting the water and resources from the moon, so that we can eventually grow something on the moon. But also, it means that every single gram of food that goes up into space costs money, and so every single gram of that has to be thought about. So I think it could be a new New course you offer. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you can come it's to the yes. Yeah. Actually, on that topic, there are really interesting research. And for instance, some people are trying to see: can we send fish eggs to space to the moon because this is super light, and then it hatches on the moon, and you have the protein source that you need in space as well. So. Oh my not goodness. an exciting topic on this. Yeah. And then a whole discussion as well about taste, because your taste buds are not the same in microgravity. So I didn't know that. What happens yeah. to taste buds in microgravity? Uh, you don't taste um, as, as strongly as you would apparently in, oh. in, on, on Earth. And also because the food will um, kind of embalm all of your palate. It's a bit different than your experience you'd have here. So texture is also quite important. In wow. Michel. Uh, yes, EHTL is not yet on the moon, but that was exactly the point I was I wanted to make. Um, just to tell you that we are currently working together. We have a very positive and uh, intensive cooperation with Luxe, our na- national flight uh, company, and uh, our chefs. Uh, they have been uh, reviewing and redesigning together with their catering uh, team the, all the menus uh, in the economy, but also in the business class. So maybe if uh, there will be one of the other... You, you will experience then. That's amazing. And that's why sometimes uh, food may taste a little bit bland on airplanes. What a wonderful end to the conversation. And, you know, it always happens. We might think industries are completely unrelated. Everything comes together at the end. Thank you all so much. Everybody must go along to the Summer Space Festival, the Science uh, <laughs> Space Festival here in Neumünster uh, next weekend. And of course, check out the, the Hotel and Tourism School of Luxembourg. And with that, I wish you all a wonderful week ahead. Mm-hmm.